For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Well, we've had some wonderful delightful time this morning thinking about children and seeing children, uh, but not everything is delightful, is it, in life? And I think of a, a movie uh, that some of you are familiar with, The Princess Bride, and there's a somewhat of a famous quote in there by Wesley, and Wesley says, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. Well, we might not be as cynical as Wesley, uh, but we do suffer as Christians. And some Christians and some Christian leaders will tell you that the Christian life should be pain-free. And in fact, uh, maybe if uh, your life is not pain-free, you're living it in the wrong way. Maybe you just need a little bit more faith. Well, they just might be trying to sell you something. Because we suffer as Christians. We're told that right here in the Bible. God's word, Romans 8, 17, we suffer with Christ. Verse, that's verse 17. Verse 18, the sufferings of this present time are mentioned. Verse 22, the whole creation has been groaning together in pain. And verse 23, we ourselves groan inwardly. So what's our hope then? Is life worth living in this world of hurt? And what we find today is we have encouragement that our life, in fact, is worth living. And Paul begins this discussion about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the encouragement that we receive from the Holy Spirit, each of us who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will help us now as we look forward to a bright future and a bright Tomorrow, The Holy Spirit bears witness to us that we have an inheritance to look forward to. I'm a child of God. I know that, and I know I'm going to receive benefits from it. 
Verse 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit, to us individually now that we are God's children. There's a great benefit in that. Just knowing I am a child of God. Last week, Heath uh, preached on the fact that not everybody is a child of God. There is a division, some who are and some who aren't. And those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ are the children of God. Come to the reality and the understanding that they're sinners, that they can't save themselves, that by, they're separated from God, deserving his condemnation, but instead by grace receiving no condemnation in Jesus Christ, only commendation because they're receiving the record that Jesus Christ has provided for them and he has paid the penalty that they deserve. So we know that Jesus Christ has caused us to be in relationship with God and we're the children of God and the Holy Spirit inside you that you have received as you have faith confirms that and encourages you in your adoption. Verse 17, we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I in a gathering this week and I asked a question and the person who was in the room said, well, I, I know what the answer's got to be, and that is union with Christ. If you've been here for this sermon series on the book of Romans, you know, it used to be, you'd say in Sunday school, everybody, the answer for everybody is Jesus Christ. You know, it's, that's, if you say Jesus Christ, you've got a pretty good shot. Well, now it's union with Christ. But I don't know how it fits, but somehow it's got to be union with Christ. Well, union with Christ here. We have union with Christ. We have union with him in his sonship, right? He is the only begotten son, the Bible says. And yet we, because we're united with him by faith, receive the designation as sons and daughters of God. We are adopted into the family of God by virtue of union with Christ and his sonship. We have the benefit of knowing that we are the children of God because we are the children of God. And it, makes it, it gives us a life worth living now in a world of hurt. I'm a child of God, and in the future I'll receive the benefits of being a child of God, the inheritance, but we need to be encouraged in the fact that we have an infu- a future her- inheritance because we will also receive something else as being united with Christ. We're united with Christ in his sufferings, right? Lots of good things about being united with Christ. You're, you're united with him in his life and his death and his resurrection. But it says right here, provided you suffer with him in order that you may be glorified with him. And so uh, we, are, we suffer with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that Jesus Christ himself suffered and we also share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The Bible says of him, this is a prophecy by Isaiah 53.3, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And one of the ways that Jesus suffered was just like everybody else. He took on a human body and, you know, Jesus Christ stubbed his toe. I don't know, it doesn't say anywhere in scripture that he stubbed his toe, but he's a human being. And so he stubbed his toe. He caught a cold, right? He suffered the things that human beings suffer that was common to being a man. 
But secondly, we know that he suffered for righteousness sake. He suffered that for you and for me. He suffered in, in pursuit of righteousness that led him into difficulties and being persecuted for righteousness sake. Just over a week ago, I had the opportunity of uh, meeting with a group of students from Florida State University. It was a, a group that I had actually been the campus minister of, it's called RUF at Florida State, back in the 80s and 90s. And so the campus minister asked me to come and do the conference over at Laguna Beach. And he said, really what I want is you've, you've learned some things over the past 30 years, you know, and maybe you want to share with us some life lessons, things that you've learned uh, that would be helpful for us, for me as a campus minister, but especially the students. And I said, sure, absolutely. And the first thing I said the first night is hold on to Jesus Christ because he is life. And there are temptations to let go of Jesus Christ. And Heath mentioned this last week, this popular terminology of deconstructing your faith, that people are deconstructing their faith. You can find it on the Internet, basically jettisoning their faith, becoming agnostics or atheists. But there's really nothing different about that than what's been going on for eternity. For Well, since the beginning of the world, uh, people have been jettisoning their faith. And, um, and I said to them, for one of the reasons that I have seen uh, people that I have known uh, do that, it's not the only reason, but, but one is, is they go through pain. And people feel like, uh, I don't deserve this pain. Uh, we don't have time to rehash what we've said previously in the book of Romans, but if there's one thing that we've learned, that we don't deserve a pain-free life, right? So we don't deserve it, um, but people think that somehow I'm going through this pain, I'm going through this difficulty, and this isn't right, and so uh, I am giving up on God. And my advice to the students was, you're going to go through pain. You're going to put on some mileage. You're going to go through some difficulties Hold on to Jesus because Jesus is life. You know, the Apostle Paul went through some trials of his own. This is not some guy that was in an ivory tower saying these things. Here's a description of his life, personal description from 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And so what is it that we benefit from as being heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ? And that is that I receive the glorious inheritance of the sons of God. And the word here is glorified or glorification. I've mentioned someday I'd like to write a book on the shuns. Of scripture, justification, sanctification, uh, redemption, and glorification. Glorification is the end of what some call the order of salvation, and uh, it's, it's really the destiny that God has for all of his children, all of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. 
the, the, the point at which he's trying to get you is glorification. Glorification is this, and that is when your body will be made to be like Jesus Christ's body, will be transformed. Uh, the Apostle Paul says you'll be given a spiritual body. It'll be your body. It will be changed. It will not be, uh, it'll be um, not subject to death and decay. And it'll be wonderful. And then also you'll receive a spirit like Jesus Christ, not subject to sin. You won't sin anymore. And I'm just going to review what we said in our confession of faith this morning from the Shorter Catechism, question 37 and 38. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. There's that word. And their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. Just uh, over a week ago, we had the funeral of a longtime church member here, Edgar Daffin. And as we were by the grave, we were able to say to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. That immediately we go to be with the Lord, our souls do. But then there is a resurrection of the dead. When Jesus Christ returns, there will be a resurrection. At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. And knowing now that I receive such an inheritance makes my life worth living now. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. My present sufferings, sufferings are nothing compared to what I'm going to receive in the future, in eternity. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So think about your glorious future now. Consider it. These thoughts will change your life for the better now. You know, everybody suffers. doesn't matter whether you're Christian, non-Christian, Buddhist, atheist. Everybody suffers, right? I remember years ago there was a bumper sticker out, I think in the 80s. I'll paraphrase it. Uh, life stinks, then you die. And cheery uh, outlook on life, right? But everybody suffers, right? But we have hope in this life. And that hope is ammo for God's children who suffer. The Bible even talks about the hope of salvation that we look forward to one day as being like uh, armament, like a helmet. First Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, tell me more about this glorious future, Ron, how it will far surpass my present sufferings. Well, I'm glad you asked, and I'm going to. We, we should wait expectantly for our glorification like creation does. Creation is said here to wait for our glorification. Now, um, 
this is for, for those of you students out there, some of you uh, taking a little English. You know, personification. It's personification. When you take an inanimate object and you give that inanimate object human qualities. And Apostle Paul is doing that, is, is likening the creation to a person waiting. They can't wait. Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation just can't wait for what's coming for us. <clears throat> we have a pet, a dog named Lucy. And uh, at dinner time, uh, there's a certain pattern that is followed every night. Lucy sticks close by the table. And um, as we get closer to the end of dinner, she starts to get a little agitated and kind of moves around because she's, she knows the timing in her head. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and then when I step up from the table, I, she does what I call tap dancing. She starts to, to skip around and gets all excited and... And on that wood floor, it sounds like tap dancing. And so I go and I get her her after-dinner treat, right? So she knows. I don't know what they put in those things, but, I mean, it is like the highlight of her day. And, um, and she is anticipating that all during the dinner, waiting expectantly. And that's what creation is doing. It's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, waiting for your glorification, waiting for you to receive a new glorified body. A new spiritual body. And it's sort of like, you know, the Academy Awards. You know, the stars come out. You'll be like the stars coming out of your limo, you know, on that day, on Resurrection Day. And you're going to have that new body. And the creation there, you know, they're, they're watching on television. They've got their, their host there saying, oh, well, you know, Sam Jones is, is coming out of the, the limo there down the red carpet. And boy, look at that. Look at that new model that he's got. You know, it's like uh, the designer, Christus Victor, I think. Yes, it's very in the season. You know, that's how the creation is longing for your, awaiting for your glorification. Why? Because its glorification is tied up with your glorification. You know, the mess that we created for ourselves, we not only created for ourselves, we created for the creation. And when God takes our mess away, he's going to take the mess that we created away as well. Listen to verses 20 and 21. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation will itself be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 3 and we find Adam and Eve sinning, and as a result of their sin, they are cursed, but not only they, the earth is cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you, Genesis 3, 17. Genesis 3, 18, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. The earth is messed up. The creation is in trouble. And the earth is not simply in trouble because we as human beings pollute it. It originally was messed up. Uh, beyond all hope except for God himself uh, because of the curse that was brought to bear because of our sin. We messed it up. But we look forward to a new creation, Second Peter 3.13. According to his promise, we are awaiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Isaiah eleven six says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. 
Isaiah 32, 15. Till the Spirit of the Lord is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. So there's this anticipation now of this new heavens and this new earth. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, Romans 8.22. Here on this uh, Mother's Day, it just so happens that what we're... Uh, preaching on today is uh, the groanings of childbirth. So, you know, it's, it's labor. And that's part of it, uh, that the creation is in the labor pangs waiting for its redemption and our redemption. And on Mother's Day, I think you mothers and those who have uh, stood by uh, your wife uh, can relate to the fact that you might have a, a long delivery It may take many hours, Uh, but what is that compared to when you compare it to the entire life of the blessing of your son or of your daughter once they're born? And so we anticipate childbirth, don't we? Uh, The birth is almost here. The gender reveal is over. The room's been decorated with all the, the baby paraphernalia. You know, it's been purchased. It's ready to go. The labor pains start. Parents and the grandparents are all called. Friends are told. The big moment of birth is almost near. Everybody is filled with anticipation. There's just this little thing called labor that has to happen. And that little thing called labor is tough. And it's difficult. And you are going through labor right now if you're a Christian. You're going through labor You're going through difficulties. You're going through suffering in anticipation of your glorification. Why am I going through this pain? Am I doing something wrong? Well, maybe, honestly, you know, we can can live in unwise ways, right? You know, and the Lord can discipline us. But a lot of it is just living in this world and experiencing the sufferings of Christ, as I said earlier. Well... Is there a purpose to it as I go through pain, as you go through pain? There is. You're in labor. You're suffering with Christ. And the result is going to be a renewed world. And let me let you in on a little secret here in the text today where it talks about the the creation groaning and anticipating and waiting. God didn't write that for creation. Creation isn't hearing this, right? It's, It's not a person. It's for you. It's for you to take delight in the fact that this is going to happen in creation. You're going to be in a renewed world. You're going to be the beneficiary of a world made right and a renewed you. Romans 8, 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. He's already told us that we're adopted in verse 14. We are adopted. You have the spirit of adoption. Now he says we await adoption. We await the full inheritance of the adoption of sons. And until then, we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit. It's likened as a deposit. You have the spirit within you confirming you're the child of God. And you know that that's the beginning taste of what you're going to experience for all eternity in completion. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. The hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today, goes on to say, made like him, like him we rise. We look forward to our sonship, verse 23. We look forward to the adoption as sons. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, verse 14. But we will receive all the benefits of our sonship, our adoption, our inheritance, the new bodies that we will have. You know, we receive new bodies that are going to not be subject to mortality, illness, death. You know, if you're a parent and you remember when your child first uh, skinned their knee, maybe the first time they had... They saw blood on their own body, and it, you know, so ah, mom, dad, this, this is the, the, I'm, I'm oozing all of this. It's gonna just ooze until it comes out of me. I'm gonna die, and you say, oh, silly child, you know, it's, it's obviously disturbing. They realize that you know there's something wrong here. You said, don't make such a big deal of it. You'll be fine for now, <laughs> right? It is the beginning. Uh, a sign that there's something wrong with our bodies. But there'll be a time when there'll be no more glasses, no more stomach bugs, no more COVID, no more mask wearing, no more hospitals, no more nursing homes, no more rehab centers, no more funerals. Amen. It'll be a perfect world. We'll have perfect bodies with a perfectly loving uh, Heavenly Father, surrounded by perfectly loving people. That's what we look forward to. And so you are in the process of bearing and being born, being adopted. And at first, it's going to be painful before this spectacular eternity. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall grow and not faint. And so we groan, but we wait in hope. And hope is the ammo. It gives us help and life worth living in a world of hurt. Romans eight twenty four and 25, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. As I've said before, the Bible uses this term hope in a different way than we normally do in just our regular English. We talk about hoping. You know, I hope it's going to be a nice day. I hope I'll win the lottery this year. I hope, you know, things that man, probably aren't going to happen. But no, hope in the Bible is a favorable, confident expectation. We are confident that this is going to happen. You, some of you kids, you know, you've had a tough year. School's about to be over. 
And, you know, what if mom and dad said, we're going to take you to Disney after school is over, you know, the happiest place on earth. And, um, and what would you do? You would have a favorable, confident expectation. You would be looking forward to that. That would kind of put a little spring in your step, right? You'd be, you'd be happy. It would, it would transform some things now, even though school's not over yet. Teachers, if I asked you, you know, how many, how many days you got left? You know, 15 days, two hours, 25 minutes, whatever. You know, like, you, you, know, you know, you love those kids, right? You love them, right? You love them. But at the same time, you're looking forward to what's going to be there at the end. And uh, maybe a little rest. Favorable, confident expectation. We look forward to that. Now, what we're going to experience is so much better than anything we can experience here. I uh, have mentioned this before. Years ago, I went as part of a church team, and we did uh, some tear-out work in houses after Hurricane Katrina. We were in a house in Slidell, Louisiana. The water had gotten up to the ceiling in this house from the flooding, and so we were just tearing everything out. And, but the worst room was the kitchen uh, because all of the, the food, all the cans, you know, there's rotting food in there, just really really nasty. We would put, um, you know, mentholatum rub under our nose. We'd put masks on just trying to not retch in that. But the worst, the, the people that were, were leading us said, whatever you do, you need to, you need to close up the refrigerator, you know, you tie it shut and, um, and take it out to the curb and just dump it and don't open that because it's the worst, the refrigerator. And so, you know, a couple guys in our group, they said, okay, they got the, we can handle this. You know, they didn't tie it shut and they, well, you know what happened. So they're starting to go out of the kitchen and boom, it opens up. And I mean, it was like a bomb went off, like bam, anybody that was within 20 yards of that thing took off. I have never smelled anything like that in my life. Now that kitchen compared, uh, that kitchen is like Disney World when we compare to what we're going to receive in eternity, right? The very best that we can experience now is nothing and no comparison. A pale, it pales in significance to uh, our glorification and what we're going to receive. And so we wait for our glorification with patience, verse 25. Now, of that word translated patience in our Bible, Leon Morris, commentator, said it's not so much a quiet patience, but a positive endurance. Weight combines eagerness and endurance. The attitude of a soldier in the midst of battle that is not dismayed, but fights on stoutly, whatever the difficulties. Now we started with this truth that the Holy Spirit bears witness to us that we have this inheritance to look forward to. And our passage ends today with, again, a discussion of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is an encouragement to us at this time, and particularly as God's children in our communication with our Heavenly Father. As we go through difficulties, as we groan, as we have trials and physical pain. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for, for us with groanings too deep for words. Again, Leon Morris said, the Spirit does not remove our weakness, but helps us in our weakness, right? He doesn't help us by removing our weakness, but he helps us 
in our weakness. As we groan, the Spirit groans. There's this, there's this connection between us and the Holy Spirit within you. And as you groan, the Spirit groans, and God the Father understands. I know, my child. I understand. I hear what you're saying. The Spirit confirms it. You're not alone. You're not outside of God's will when you go through suffering. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Your groaning and the things that have caused your groaning are not outside of the Father's will. They're not meaningless. They're not random. Back in verse 20, We read this, the creation was subjected to futility. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that same word was used in relationship to the book of Ecclesiastes. Some of you will know the book of Ecclesiastes, the famous line, vanity, vanity, all is vanity, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. Same word was used uh, to translate it into the Greek here. The creation was subjected to futility. And so, you know, we have life of suffering and and apparently futility. You know, there's always one more diaper to change. The grass always needs to be cut. The paycheck always needs to be earned. Even gospel ministry, you know, the gospel goes out, but there's always more and more and more people that are born. But God says to us, the way of the world is going to come to a conclusion. We groan, we pray, the Spirit groans with us. He intercedes, he gives the right wording to God. And there will be glory for my creation, God says. There will be glory for my child. And so we're not to lose sight of our glorious destiny. We live in a world of hurt. But there is life now for those that have the Spirit of God moving in them, crying out to the Father. He promises a glorious final inheritance. I think back to um, a poignant example of somebody that was looking forward to that glorious inheritance and how it helped her in her life. Uh, This was a friend of mine when I was in middle school. I went over to his house. He had a rather large family, and the the last uh, child was born was a son who had Down syndrome. And at the time, he was probably two or three years old, something like that, And I would come into the house on a regular basis and I would find uh, my friend's mother and the son dancing. Now, the son couldn't dance. He was too small. But she was kind of, she would hold him and she'd sort of swing him around the room and she would sing. And it was always the same song. It was this song, The King is Coming. And she would would swing around and she would would have the smile on her face. And and I always thought it was a little strange. This was the days of cassette players. She'd play it on the cassette over and over and over again. And only later did I realize what was going on there. She, as a believer in Jesus Christ, was looking forward to that glorious inheritance when everything was going to be made right. And so we, in the same way, can be encouraged as we go through suffering, as we go through difficulty. Our glorification is at hand. The king is coming. Our glorification will happen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the encouragement of your word, for the encouragement of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, even today, confirming these things that are true. I pray if there's anyone here that has not come to that point of placing their faith in Jesus
and knowing the work of your Holy Spirit, confirming your sonship, our sonship. I pray that that you would do that even now. Open their eyes, open their ears to this word today. And to all of us, may we be encouraged by this truth that our life has meaning. And even as we go through suffering and challenging challenges as we suffer with Christ, uh, we know that you care and we know that there is a wonderful inheritance ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's continue to praise our great God who gives us wonderful grace, his unmerited favor by singing to him, Grace Alone. Let's stand and sing together.